Hi everyone and thank you so much for tuning into Grow With Grief, a podcast that aims to make the uncomfortable comfortable and open up the conversations around grief and loss. My name is Katrina and together we will be hearing different stories from different people, how grief has impacted their life and what they've learned from it. And together we will create a community that normalizes the conversations around grief and loss. I am back and it feels so good to be here. It has definitely been a longer break than anticipated, but it was a break that I very much needed. However, I will be sharing more about that on a solo episode coming up. But for today, first episode back, we will be hearing from the wonderful Patricia. Patricia and I recorded this conversation way back in September, and it has been incredible to see her continue with her grief advocacy and awareness work over the last few months. This is a lovely, calm and thought-provoking conversation as Patricia shares what it was like for her to experience grief during a global pandemic, how culture and religion influenced her grieving process and also so many tools that you can utilise yourself in your own grief. I hope you all enjoy this chat just as much as I did. So hi Patricia, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so grateful that you've come on here to share your story and have a little bit of a conversation about grief and loss. Um, so for anybody that doesn't know who you are and doesn't know your story, it would be lovely if you could just briefly introduce yourself and explain how you got to be where you are today. Okay, thank you Katrina, thank you for having me. I know we connected recently because I had you on one of my live on Instagram. And I'll get to my Instagram page in a minute. But just to start with who I am, my name is Patricia De Picciotto. I'm 38 years old. I live in New York. I've been living here for the past uh, five years and a half. And recently, I mean, nine months ago, I lost my mom. She died from pancreatic cancer after an almost two years battle. And it happened at the end of the year, 2019, November 22, 2019. And I think I was very much at home between December, January, February. And when I was, you know, almost starting to baby step into the real world, thinking I'll be back to work by the spring, you know, by March and trying to make efforts, you know, to go back to a certain normal, COVID started and you know, the lockdown started, school closed, we were in New York, so we were hit really badly. So for many months, like at least three months, you know, we were pretty isolated at home. Not until the summer, you know, we started to like go out and see friends again. So around May, I'll say even April, the weight of the, the grief and the loss, plus the lockdown, plus COVID, um, with everyone, and this is something that I've heard for, from other grievers, you know, that friends, they kind of stop checking on you, you know, after the first month. But with COVID, you know, it was on everyone's mind. So it was hard to be able to express my feelings because I was not seeing anyone face to face. And also, you know, it was just on everyone's mind, everyone's lists. It was all about COVID. And I felt very lonely. And I think the loneliness of the grief, you know, that was really weighing on me at that time. And I started looking for an online grief group because I thought so many people are, you know, losing a loved one right now. The cases were spiking. It was like a whole society grieving, you know, 
their losses from coronavirus. So I, you know, I just went on Facebook. I found a, a group that's from David Kessler, who's like a grief expert. And he had just, you know, launched his group during COVID for people that had lost people, you know, during the tragedy. And, you know, I started connecting to other motherless daughter and it changed me because, you know, all of a sudden I went from being so lonely, you know, with no one to talk about my, my mother's passing to so many people who are experiencing grief, loss, you know, mother loss, parents loss, sibling loss. And I know that every loss is unique and every grief is unique, but somehow is able to connect to people who had lost their mom maybe years ago or maybe two weeks ago, but it made me feel less alone. It made me feel supported. So I stayed on that group for probably a month. After a month, it became a little bit too heavy because there were over 15,000 people. So it became a little bit too big. You know, I was able to connect with a few people, but it became too um too much of just people posting and no one com commenting or replying because there were just too many posts and too many people i wanted to have something smaller more intimate and i had this idea of creating a motherless daughter community on instagram but you know i never had the courage or the strength to do it like i didn't even know how to start so i just started by you know creating a page without even turning it public. And I was following some grief account because I thought to myself, if I can find this on Facebook, then I can find this on Instagram. I had no idea there was this whole grief community, you know, another world on social media. And I started following those grief account. I started posting picture of it about my mom, just needed to vent about grief and loss. And I think after a few weeks, May 13th, so exactly four months ago, I decided to turn the page public. And three months ago, I decided to start lives on Instagram because it helped me so much to listen to other people's story. And it helps me so much to talk about my mom on almost a daily basis. You know, I, like, I really feel the need. I know I'm very recent in my grief, like nine months can seem very long, but it's actually very, very, very early in grief. And it just made me feel supported, seen, witnessed, acknowledged, you know? Yeah. So I went from, from a morning period when people, you know, check on you maybe the first month to a phase where, you know, it slows down to total isolation during COVID. And then back to the light, you know, with like people seeing you and people talking to you. And I connected to so many people and it happened very organically. And I, I realized that sharing a story is as helpful for the person that tells their story than for the listeners. Because even though it's a complete different loss than the one you experience, I think you still have this empathy and compassion after you lose someone that makes you understand what the other one is going through mm. and that's really what matters and i called the page um on instagram neshama journey because neshama means soul in hebrew and right after my mother passing uh we're jewish and i had all this question like where does the soul go you know what happened to the soul will we still connect it 
Mm-hmm. You know, what's going to be her journey in the afterlife? Now, what's going to be my journey here that, you know, I'm, I'm staying on this realm and she's in the spiritual realms. So I just decided to call the page Neshama Journey because it was really about, you know, my journey now here through my own grief and also helping others in their own grief and also the journey of my mom and the souls that are also connected I hope forever and that means a lot to me because I really want to believe no matter where she is and I started studying Kabbalah I talked to Rabbi and even though I might never have you know the answers I'm looking for I just need the belief that our souls are forever connected wherever she is now Mm. I love that I did not know that's what your name like the page mate name meant but that is so lovely because it's so personal to you and it's something you're Mm -hmm. able to to share and yeah I think that I think that is so so nice that you can connect that to your mom and and now share that with others as well so um yeah, this, this grief community, as you said, it's, it's until you look for it, you don't always know that it's there. It's a bit of a secret society. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, it's like a secret, like, you know, member-only club where no one wants to be a member, but you end up being a member and you want to look for other members to connect because they're the only one who can truly understand you. And I wasn't aware of this until I experienced it myself, that even my relatives and my close friend, if they had not gone through, you know, a loss, they could just not understand what I was dealing with. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as I said, at the beginning, you're supported, you're in the mourning period, it's still very public, you know, people come to memorial prayers. So you feel like there are people around you, but soon enough, these people are going back to their normal life. Like your life is forever changed and probably your world stopped. Like for me, I really felt like my world had stopped, you know, in time for many months, but they're going back to their life. And it, at some point it feels really lonely. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I mean, I just want to touch on, there's so much that we can talk about here. Um, yeah. but I really want to touch on what was your expectation or understanding of grief and loss prior to you experiencing it? I know like you mentioned that you're, you know, you're Jewish. So I suppose that that maybe played a bit of a part about your expectation of what it would be like for you. But can you just delve into that slightly deeper, like if yeah, you had expectations or? I think my expectations were uh, all about the timeline because there are some rules in the Jewish tradition about mourning. And if you are mourning a sibling or a spouse or a child, it's a month of mourning. If it's a parent, a mother or a father, it's a year. So all my life, you know, I've witnessed people like friends or, or friends of my parents going through those mourning periods. And they have rules like right now until the end of this year, the, the year of my mom, I, I follow, you know, we say some kinds of prayers every day. I don't go out. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't go out to parties. I don't buy anything. I don't dress in black, but the first week I was dressed in black. You know, the first month I couldn't cut my hair. I couldn't cut my nails. So there are some rules that you follow, you know, that that are really uh, particular to our religion, our faith. 
So in my mind, always, I thought that after that morning period that was, you know, imposed, I would say, quote unquote, by the religion, the grief would be over. I had no idea, but literally no idea. Like, I really thought that it was a turning point where you would turn the page and move on. And it's really when I lost my mom and experienced grief firsthand that I realized that grief is forever. Like as long as you're alive and as long as the other person is dead, you're grieving and there will be pain. The, the intensity will be different depending on which stage you are, if it's early grief or if it's later in life but I really believe that it will always be here and it will come in waves and this is not to sound pessimistic because I I can totally see people you know grieving that are living you know a fulfilling and normal life mm. but it's only now that I realized that even people that have lost you know a parent 20 years ago they still have waves of grief that will come back there will be a milestone, there'll be some celebration, something, and you'll always remember that someone's missing. Mm. So it was, it was really that expectation of moving forward, turning the page, you know, you follow the rules for a year and then you go back to your normal life and it's all gone and forgotten. And actually it's not. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And think- those rules, you know, at least in Judaism, they maybe help you to be more in touch with your grief. Because I'm not going out, I'm not buying, I'm not going party. So I'm not doing anything to numb or to, you know, escape my grief. And I pray every day. And even my kids, you know, they just say a prayer for my mom. So we're reminded constantly every day about my mom. So I think those roles are really meant for you to be in touch with your grief. But it was something that I hadn't expected that after that period, you would move on and forget about the grief. And now that I'm totally in this early stage of grief i realized that it's not like this it's not just something that you move on from you move forward slowly and it will become part of your life but you'll always have some degree of grief in you and some degree of sadness also yeah yeah completely totally and i think that can be reflected in so many different ways whatever your whatever your um belief is you know, there's, there's a lot of misconceptions out there that there's a timeline and once you've reached all stages, that's it yeah. end, and it's gone. But as you said, mm-hmm. it, it isn't. And I think it's, I think it's, do, do you think then, as you said, the steps that you took and you take as part of your beliefs that that has helped you in some way? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Definitely. And these are rules. And I had shared this with another friend of mine who's Muslim, who had lost his dad and who also followed some kind of rules for the first month. And he never understood them as the same as me. Like I never understood them before. And now that I'm in it and I have to, I I mean, I don't have to, I decided to honor my mom, you know, to really to honor her tradition, her values, her religion. I decided to honor those rules too. And it definitely helped me because basically it it takes all the social life and all the frivolous part of life away from you for a full year so like the only things you have left is really the spiritual or the close people like your close knit you know 
friends that are around you because that's the thing you're not supposed to go out in social like very social gathering i'm not talking about a dinner of six people mm -hmm. i'm talking about you know 25 people you're not supposed to go to somewhere with very loud music or to a party there should be no buying using anything new for a year i almost you know i'm almost not wearing any makeup i'm not getting my hair done i'm i'm really getting rid of all this I won't say superficial because I used to do it and I know I'm going to go back to it. But now I just don't need to worry so much about my appearance, what I'm going to buy, you know, what's in fashion right now, who am I going to go out with tonight, where am I going? So all of a sudden, this plus COVID, because COVID also, you know, yeah. didn't let us go out or didn't let us, you know, go shopping, anything. So this on top of the grief made me stay home more with my husband with my kids like literally it was the five of us for the past six months and i got much more in touch with my spirituality i had more time for reading i read a ton of you know brief books listened to podcasts went for walks so it definitely helped me because i think you can easily you know numb your sadness by either going shopping, you know, going with friends, drinking, you know, going to club, listening to music, and then try to escape your reality, which for me, because of COVID and because of those rules, it was your home. And now you're dealing with your grief, your pain, you're going to sit with it. And either you're going to face it or, you know, you're going to drown. And that's what I did. So it helped me. And now I understood those rules because if you're really sitting with your grief and your pain, you, you don't have the strength to go out with people and mingle and have small talk. You don't care anymore about the last pair of shoes. You know, lipstick is not as important anymore. Getting your hair done is not, you know, a necessity. And I just feel like more of my authentic self in the past nine months because it's just like really me and me myself and I and I'm, I'm kind of detached from the rest so it's been interesting and I don't regret a second you know following those rules and respecting what the traditions want yeah I think that's so lovely and and that that you've you're appreciating that you can sit with your grief and sit mm -hmm. with those emotions and that it's okay to feel that those emotions too I know a lot of people myself included I was one of those people that drowned in shopping drinking going out with friends and that in hindsight now I know that it, it mm -hmm. didn't it didn't help me move forward it just kept me stuck in the place that I was yeah. so I think you know, the fact that you're able to see what a blessing it is that you have that around you to, mm -hmm. be able to help you and that it's helped you is, is so wonderful. Um, so how has grief and loss impacted your daily life? Has, how has it changed your perception of the world and the way that you see things? I know you've touched on it slightly, but if you could delve a little bit deeper. Yeah, I think grief and COVID because those yeah. two things at the same time definitely change my day to day. And first of all, I haven't been able to work. And when my mother passed, I came back to New York and I was just not able to work for 
grief reason. I was just not able to see people, face people, talk to people. Like all those things were very difficult. I had spent a long time, you know, in the hospital with my mom, uh, caring for her, traveling back and forth from New York to Sao Paulo. I think I needed a time. So I decided that I would go back to work in March and then COVID started. So I couldn't go back to work and I might not be able to work for the next month because I'm an art guide and groups are not allowed. Galleries, you know, are very restrictive about, you know, how many people they let in their galleries, museums too. So I don't know. So this changed me completely because, you know, I had a routine before that, you know, I would like wake up and drop the kids to, to school and then, you know, go to work. And the grief plus COVID made me have a total different, you know, daily routine. And I think I, I had a mindfulness practice before my mother passed and it really started when she got sick. And I attach much more important now to those, you know, self-care rituals every day. Like it's very important for me to wake up and be grateful. Like say all the little things I'm grateful about. Like I'm breathing. I, you know, I woke up. I, I'm able to walk. I have all my senses. My kids are here. My husband's here. You know, I have a shelter and a roof on, t- you know, on top of us. We have food. So just a gratitude practice in the morning to set the tone and meditation. I journal a lot. So this, you know, grief impacted me in a way where I'm much more in touch with my emotions because I, I write them down now. Like they're real, you know, they're in front of me. And so I journal. I just, I just, I just have more time to like read, reflect and, you know, listen to the podcast, walk, I think movements is very important in grief because at the beginning, it's so hard to even, you know, get out of bed. So that would force myself to like get out and go for a walk in the park. And to do this, I would put a podcast about grief because it would help me, you know, it would be a companion for me to have those walk with, with a fellow griever who could understand me. Mm. Yeah. So this definitely helped me go through grief, but I have to say, Grieving in time of COVID is a total different experience than mm-hmm. grieving, you know, when everything is normal out there. And also I wasn't able to see my family for almost, yeah, almost 10 months now, ever since my mom's funeral. So I was not able to travel, I think, just like you. And it's tough because it isolates you even more and it makes the grief feel even longer yeah is there any way just for people who are listening who perhaps they know somebody who is grieving right now through through this time mm-hmm. is there anything that you would could suggest to them that you think would have been really lovely for you to have you know whether that be a text from a friend or just a random message like is there anything that people did oh, sure. you wish they had done I think just checking on someone every time, you know, I have a podcast or a live and we talk about how to support, you know, people that are grieving. It's always about checking on people, checking and listening. These two things are so important. But I know that when the pandemic started, people were very worried. And I think 
it was just too much for them to be able to take care of someone else, even a close friends, because they had already so much on their plates. You know, people were working from home, homeschooling kids, you know, losing jobs, um, being separated from their family. But definitely, so now let's, okay, we're in September, six months after, you know, all the lockdown. And if you have a friend who lost a loved one during COVID, just don't hesitate to reach out. It's so important. Mm-hmm. You don't know if the person's going to reply, but it will be definitely appreciated to, to get a text or a phone call, anything. But just, just, you know, check on the other person. Yeah. It's that connection. Connection is, I think... Mm-hmm. A common theme that I see when speaking with people is that connection really is important, and that can be the thing that he- helps us to heal. Yeah, is being able to connection and, and being witnessed. You know, you, you, I believe grief needs to be witnessed and acknowledged. And the worst thing you can do is ignore. Like you know, when you see someone who had just lost a loved one and you don't say anything, I'm gonna tell you the griever is gonna remember that. So ignoring, not saying anything. I had a few dinners this summer and, you know, when people were not asking me how I was feeling, and I'm talking about good friends, I was hurt after because, you know, we're having dinner. I, it's hard for me to go through all the small talks. Just ask me how I feel. Mm-hmm. Those are like three words, but they're so important, especially if you want to listen to how I feel. So to circle back to your question, there are so many things you can do to help someone's grieving, to support someone's grieving. But if you can start by reaching out and checking in, that would be very helpful. Then and any kind of help you can offer being specific to someone who's grieving is absolutely welcome. I remember when you know I came back to New York after my mom's passing, I remember someone sending me food on the first day and it was lovely, you know, to have someone thinking about this. I live in the city, so it's very easy for me to get groceries and to get food because it's like right under my house. But I imagine someone who's not living in a city, it, it's just such an effort at the beginning to think about, oh, what am I going to eat? You know, what I'm going to go to the grocery store. So doing those little, you know, favors to someone else, like helping with groceries, helping with kids, helping with laundry, helping with cooking. They're welcome because it's really hard at the beginning to be able to, to function. Yeah. And this is like beyond functioning. This is really being, you know, mm-hmm. active and, and able to support yourself. So yeah, just to keep this in mind, if someone has a friend grieving to be more present emotionally and physically and I know there was a distance during COVID but if you could be emotionally present that would that would be amazing yeah there's there's always ways to connect even if it feels like Mm -hmm. not the usual way that you would do it um yeah and yeah the it's them small mundane tasks that we do every single day Mm -hmm. we don't even have a second thought about that seems so overwhelming when we're moving through grief it's you know, just getting up to make a sandwich feels like the hardest task in the world. Um, So yeah, those little things. Um, So what has been your biggest lesson or maybe a couple of lessons that you've taken from from your grief and loss and from grieving through COVID as well? Because I do think that's a really 
important to explore that There's, there'll be a lot of people in a similar mm -hmm. similar situation and it is very different you know to not be able to see people at this time as well I don't know I think my number one lesson and it's something I'm working on daily I mean since at least January and even more since COVID is I'm working on my expectations I had so many expectations about you know my family my relatives my friends anyone around me you know i was expecting as i said i was expecting them to check on me i was expecting them to call me i was expecting them to ask me how i am i was expecting so many things from other people and it put me to a place where i was frustrated i was sad i was angry and it's only later on that i you know i was able to understand that expectations are usually followed by some degree of frustration because no one is going to fulfill all your expectation not even yourself you know you're able to fulfill the expectation you have for yourself mm -hmm. so it's and when i'm saying it's a daily work it's a daily work because i feel like every day i'm you know i'm expecting this person to call me for coffee or that person to check on me so i'm still working on this to not feed my resentment towards some friends and I had this and I've spoken to so many grievers in the past three, four months. And it always, you know, this always comes back. They always talk about how angry they were towards their family or their friends, how, you know, they lost friendship because that person didn't show up to the funeral or that person didn't call or this person didn't ask, you know, how they were feeling. So my number one lesson is to try to manage my expectation because the only one putting those expectations on these people is myself, you know? So if I was able to lower those expectations a little bit more, mm -hmm. I would probably feel less anger and resentment towards them. So I'm a work in progress and I don't know if I'll ever get to, you know, level zero of expectation, but I'm very aware and mindful about this because I can get easily, you know, sad, you know, I can easily react when, mm -hmm. as I said, someone comes to dinner with me and just spend a whole night and don't even ask like, how are you? Not, not the first like, Hey, how are you? No, like, how are you feeling? Like the real, how are you? Mm -hmm. And I'm still working on this. So this is really, 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 my number one lesson to learn to moderate your expectation yeah yeah and do you think that in a in a way is to i mean it's to help yourself but do you think it's also to help the other person on the other side and to make sure that that relationship doesn't break down because through grief we can experience a lot of secondary losses you yeah. know breakdowns of relationships and i think a lot of it is to do with this expectation yeah I mean, as I say, I'm work in progress. There are still some people I'm resentful. So I'm really trying on, you know, forgiveness. When I meditate, I try to visualize this person. I try to forgive. So I'm, I'm working on this. Mm -hmm. And definitely, if you lower your expectation and you have less resentment, you're, you're saving a relationship. And I heard recently a video from David Kessler, the same grief expert that I had, you know, joined the online grief group. And he was talking about friendship putting them in two categories the friendship that are personal and personal based and the friendship that are activity based so you easily 
try you you're easily able to figure out which friend is really your friends for yourself like this is personal because that person can just like come to your house and have a tea and talk with you for hours that would be like a personal based relationship and the friends that are activity based they're just like social friends they're just friends like to go out like to go to a bar to go for dinner to go to a movie and it's very easy in grief to try to you know delete or erase those friendships because i mean as they said they're activity based these people want to be with you to to have a good time to go out to, to do anything fun they're maybe not here for you when when you need it when you need to talk and he said something that stayed with me and i really tried to apply it don't you know don't erase those relationships because one day you'll need that friend to go out again and you'll need that friend to go out to the movie and you'll need that friend to go out shopping and maybe that person was not here for you when you were deeply grieving but one day you, you will want something lighter and you will just want you know a fun night out or you know a movie night or anything and you'll need those people so don't be too harsh on the relationships because it it all comes down to the same it's expectation it's resentment it's anger it's judging the friendship so definitely lowering your expectation will save the friendships and identifying what kind of friendship you were having with that person would also help because if that person were was always a friend that were present just to go out then you know that you could not expect more from yeah. you know from that friend now if it's a personal based friendship and that friend is really here for you and you know no matter what you're doing if it, even if it's just like sitting on a bench in a park to talk then you know it's a different level of friendship mm -hmm. so i think it was important to you know to realize that yeah. Because it's also a way to protect some relationships that you have and that you might lose over grief. Mm. And just to clarify as well, this isn't about making excuses for those people who maybe just aren't very good friends. <laughs> no, definitely. No, 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 no. No, I'm not making excuses to the people who are not good friends. And I think that grief actually is a good you know it's a good way to have a little cleanse in your friendship because th that's what i'm saying like you see this person was like a good friend and it's not here maybe it's time you know to move on but if that friend was always the friend that you would see you know to go shopping or to go play tennis or to go out and never had real conversation then maybe you, you shouldn't have all these expectations on that person yeah. but it's definitely a good period to realize who you know who are your real friends and who are not who you can count on and who, who you cannot so yeah yeah but it doesn't excuse the thought that might be listening <laughs> no you're right you're right to point it out um so if you could give i mean you've already given so many bits of advice and things that people could implement into their own day-to-days which is like gratitudes and journaling i think all of those tools are actually really really useful um but if you could give one piece of advice to a person experiencing 
grief right now or grief and they're just you know regardless of COVID they're not able to be with family or be around people mm-hmm. for whatever reason what would that advice be? I think to reach out either to reach out to close friends as I say don't expect people to reach out because they have moved on your grief is yours I mean mm-hmm. they haven't lost anyone so it's your loss it's your grief they went back to their normal life so if you really need help if you need to talk if you need someone's presence just just reach out i know it's hard and and often it's 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 uneasy to ask for help but at those moments it's better to be you know surrounded and supported than being alone and then if you're in the middle of covid like i was back in march april may then finding an online grief group or grief community on social media these are tools that i was totally unaware of until four months ago but it changed me because I'm able to connect with people all day long, all the time. And even if I don't talk to them personally all the time, you know, I still see their posts. I see what they're writing. I see what they're going through. And at some point I might experience the same or whatever is writing, you know, in a post will resonate with me or I could, I could identify to, you know, someone's stories and it's helpful. And even though you're behind the screen and you might never, you know, meet that person you still feel very uh supported witnessed validated so if someone is grieving right now at this minute and it's still at home because you cannot go out because of covid try to find some support online or reach out to a friend but the loneliness can really you know put you down mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and, and then- for help yeah are those tours like journaling and, and meditation, is that what helped you through that loneliness? Definitely. And podcasting and listening to podcasts and going for walks, because I was still going out for walks during the lockdown. So we were able to go to the park. So I would still go to the park every day for like an hour, an hour and a half, go for walks and listen to my podcast. So that helped me. Uh, as I said, in the morning, I usually meditate, I journal and I, I read a lot. So I read before I go to bed. I, I love my grief books. You know, they help me so much. And as I said, when I encountered those grief support online, that really changed me because all of a sudden, you know, I was not alone anymore. Mm. And what books would you recommend then? You say that you love books. Are there any books that you would really recommend for people to read? Yeah, so I have this book that is on my bedside table near my bed, and it's called Healing After Loss from Martha W. Hickman. They're, you know, little quotes, and there are uh, 365 of them, so it's one for each night, and they're just amazing because wherever you are in in your grief stage, just reading them before you go to bed or when you first wake up, it, as I said, it helps you feel less lonely because you, you just read about someone else's loss. Mm. And for me personally, you know, it, it helps me because I feel like someone, you know, went through this and was able to, you know, 
go through a healing process. So those little meditations are very helpful. Then there are the books of David Kessler on grief and grieving and finding meaning. They, they did help me to, you know, to understand better the grief process, that whatever I was feeling, the loneliness, the anger, the resentment, you know, whatever I had towards friends, family, you know, everything was normal, the loneliness, the hardship. And also, you know, the, the book Finding Meaning kind of validated whatever I was doing with my Instagram when I started it. I just wanted to post it like my mom, but I just wanted to be witnessed. You know, I wanted to be held. I wanted to be supported. And for me, you know, finding meaning in my mother's loss, I'm not talking about the loss itself, but, you know, how do you find meaning in your grief? And for me, it was really about sharing stories because I wanted to help one person at a time. And I just felt that if by sharing my story, I was able to help with that person, that I would continue. And it started like this. And that book helped me because it kind of, you know, it gives you tools on how you find meaning, not in the loss, but in your grief. Because mm. no one finds meaning in loss, right? Like there's nothing's going to explain or no one's going to find a reason why that person died. Mm. But trying to honor your loved one or you know cherish the memories finding gratitude in the years you had with that person this is already a way of finding meaning so it it really helped me and it most pushed me to do more with my instagram account mm. and otherwise there is this book called things i wish i knew before my mom died from ty alexander it, it's just a memoir about, you know, this woman whose mother was also sick with cancer. And in the last four months of her life, she was in hospice at home. And she just quit her job in New York, moved back home and took care of her mom. So they had all those amazing conversations at the end. And it felt very similar to my story. Although, you know, my mom was in Brazil and I was in New York and I didn't quit my job to move there. I was able to travel a lot and be with her. And all those conversations we had the last three weeks of her life when she was in hospice, you know, were really important. So somehow I really related to that book and it helped me. Oh, thank you so much. There's a few books in there that I've not heard of. So I'm looking forward to going and buying them after this. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, thank you so much. I know that hopefully some listeners will be able to read some of them themselves and, and try and help in it. Um, so how can people connect with you if they would like to reach out and have a conversation? I will pop your handles and stuff in the show notes, but um, yeah, if you want to just tell people about your Instagram. Yeah. So my Instagram name is Nishama Journey. So it's N-E-S-H-A-M-A Journey. And they'll be able to DM me. I have an email, which is nishamatjourney at gmail.com. But you can either send me an email or DM me on Instagram. If someone wants to share their story, we can have a live on Instagram too. I, it helps. It really helps other grievers. So I tried to do this. I, I did many of them over the summer. I think people were more at home with COVID and much more available. Now I'll continue, but maybe once or twice a week but I will keep up with my lives. And I'm putting together a 
book recommendation list that I'll post very soon and people will be able to join my mailing list and get the book recommendation list. And I will also post videos about the books. And I have other, you know, podcast episodes on, you know, on my LinkedIn bio where I talk about mindfulness. I talk about tips to support other grievers. So if you, yeah, if you just go on my Instagram page, you'll be able to, you know, follow me and reach me and DM me if you want to connect. Thank you. Thank you. So any last, before we say goodbye, it's been lovely to have you on here. Um, but have you got any last just words of wisdom, anything that you want to share with people? I mean, it's really, for me, it's really about being, you know, kind on yourself and accepting the sadness because, you know, numbing the pain is not going to help. And I think you've said a few words about it that you try to escape and instead of helping you to move forward, it just, you know, puts you back from, from your healing process. And it's okay. It's okay to cry. It's okay to be sad. It's even okay to cry in the middle of a restaurant, a supermarket, anywhere. It's okay to cry in front of your kids if you have kids. I mean, I have three young kids. They're 11, 9, and 7 now. So they were, you know, a little bit younger when my mother passed. But I told them everything. And I want them to know that, you know, sadness and joy can coexist. I can wake up, you know, totally fine one day. And then something reminds me about my mom. And I start crying. But then two hours later, I'm fine again. And you know, you can be happy and sad at the same time. Compassion is so important. So this is also something, you know, I'm trying to teach my kids. I don't want to shelter them in a bubble where, you know, sadness and pain and grief don't exist. They do exist and they can coexist with, you know, joy, happiness, and, you know, other happy feelings that you can have. But it's important for them to see this. But to go back to like what to do, yes, be kind of yourself because you are going to have those moments and it's so okay to feel that pain. It's just, it's just part of it and not pressure yourself. Like society would pressure yourself on putting a timeline on your grief. Don't think that you'll be over in a week. Don't think that you'll be over in a month. You will hopefully definitely be able to heal from your grief and learn to live with it but it's not going to be you know a page that you're going to turn and it's another chapter of your life and now grief is in the past and i'm moving on so be kind on yourself because you are going to have those days and they're totally okay and if you need to take you know a sick day a grief day i call them grief day but if you need to take you know a grief day because you're having you know you're just having this tsunami of sadness and tears and you know your brain is not functioning well that day it, it's totally okay and it will pass and I have those and I know they usually last between one and two days and then I can go back to functioning again but I, I just have to accept them mm. they're part of the process mm. Definitely. Thank you so much, Patricia. It's been thank you, Katrina. Having you on here and just hearing more about your story and the outlook that you have is honestly really inspiring. And yeah, I, I've absolutely loved having this conversation with you. So thank you so much. 
Thank you. And thank you for having me. You're welcome. If you enjoyed listening to today's episode, please don't forget to like, share and subscribe. I invite you to also come and be a part of the community by connecting with us on Instagram at Grow With Grief. Before we go, I want to take the time to thank you. Thank you for tuning in and being part of a community that opens conversation, raises awareness and brings individual perspectives and stories to the forefront of a topic that is often avoided and treated as uncomfortable. The conversations that we have may sometimes bring your own emotions, memories and triggers to the surface and I want to encourage you to know that you are not alone. If you or anyone you care for is in need of support, please reach out to your local support line or if you are in Australia, you can contact Griefline by phone on 1300 845 745 who are available from midday to 3am every day.